good to see everyone here today. I'm louder today because I can't hold a microphone correctly, so I have the Britney Spears mic. So now I can use my hands. Okay. But yeah, hopefully you'll be able to hear me a little bit better. It, it feels frighteningly loud. Um, yeah, so welcome to church this morning. Welcome to the Burr months, right? We're in September. We're in the Burr months. It's going to start feeling better outside. This is exciting, right? I love summer, but I love, as a big dude, not sweating as soon as I open the door. Amen. It's nice. It's nice. You're like, okay, I have 10 minutes at least until I start sweating. So it's a good thing. Um, yeah, so we're still going through Romans. We're in chapter 5 today. We're going to go through verses 1 through 11. Um, so I'm going to read them. And if everyone will please stand with me while we do this, I'd appreciate that. So I'm going to read it out of the amplified version, so it will be different than what's on the screen, and it might be a little different than yours. So here we go. Therefore, since we have been justified, that is, acquitted of sin and declared blameless before God by faith, we have peace with God and the joy of reconciliation with him through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Let us rejoice in our hope and the competent assurance of God. And not only this, but with joy, let us exult in our sufferings and rejoice in our hardships, knowing that hardship produces patient endurance. And endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope and confident assurance of eternal salvation. Such hope never disappoints us because God's love has been abundantly poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. While we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, it's an extraordinary thing for one to willingly give his life even for an upright man, though perhaps for a good man, someone might dare to die. But God clearly shows and proves his own love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Therefore, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more certain is it that we will be saved from the wrath of God through him? For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. It is much more certain, having been reconciled, that we will be saved by his life. Not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received and enjoy our reconciliation. God, thank you for today. Thank you for these opportunities. Thank you for your word and that you care so much about us that you did something about us. God, we thank you that you are God and that we are not. I pray that you would continue to move in here. I pray that there would be... Um, mighty acts of who you are, God. I pray for freedom. I pray for breakthrough. I pray for healing, God. I pray that you would come alive in your scriptures as we speak about Romans. I thank you that we can do this. I thank you that we have the freedom to speak about you, God. I pray that you would take over and that you would show out a little bit. In Jesus' name, amen. You can sit down. You guys have been standing for a while. All right, so there's some good stuff in this. 
I've had the privilege of preaching like some of the good stuffs of, of Romans. And it's really nice. And I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> just throwing me just buttered rolls. And it's fantastic. Um, <laughs> don't act like you don't like good buttered rolls at a restaurant. It's the best. And they're free. Yeah. All right. So in here it talks about some great things. And I want to I dive into a couple of the verses a little bit deeper. Um, so as we've spoken about already, Christ shows that he loves us because of the act that he took. Now, the act that he took of coming to us and saving us was not contingent on anything we did, which means there was nothing that we did. He wasn't up there waiting. Well, I just, as, if they can at least do this, then I'll come and I'll do, I'll, I'll redeem them, I'll save them. I'll give them my righteousness. It clearly tells us that while we were still sinners, we weren't on the upswing. We weren't like, guys, we just try real hard. He's going to come save us. No, we weren't even thinking that, right? We were so inwardly focused on ourselves of what do I want that we weren't thinking about him at all. And the amazing thing about God is that God always was thinking about us. When I didn't care, when I wasn't paying him an attention, when I was angry and I didn't want him to, he said, I still love you. I'm still here. And I still died for you because I love you that much. Right? He's a God that moved first to give us an opportunity to respond. He did all of this. His son came put on flesh and blood, stepped into time and space, lived a life we couldn't live, did things we couldn't do ourselves. We mocked him, we ridiculed him, we beat him, and we hung him on a cross in front of everybody. And he said, you know what? All of that was worth it. Because I'm going to give you an option. I love you so much. I'm not going to make you do this. I'm not going to hold your hand and twist it and say, hey, look, I died, so you better, you better pick this. He said, I love you so much. I was willing to do all of that, and you still choose. I'll still let you make the choice. If you don't want any part of me, I'll respect that. But know that having him is far greater than anything you can imagine. Because in him is the fullness of joy. There is peace. There is power. There is safety. There is love like you probably will never be able to experience on earth. The love that said, I will die, I will pay with my own life to fix the broken problem we have. And in verse 1 it says that we, since we have been justified, since we've been acquitted, since we've been declared blameless before God by our faith, by choosing to say, you know what, I will believe this and I will accept what he's done for me. Not purely by words. It did not say that we have this because we spoke a word, because we prayed a specific prayer. It says that we have this peace 
and that we've been declared acquitted by faith. It is different to believe something and then say something. All right, Pastor Paul talked about this with the guy, I don't remember his name, but walking across the tightrope across Niagara Falls with a wheelbarrow. Everybody was like, yay, you can do this. And then he said, well, who wants to get in the wheelbarrow? And everybody said, not me. <laughs> and in the Christian world and in the world we live in, I can have faith that you can do it. But I know me. And we struggle to have faith that we can believe something. But we know we can because we're called to. God doesn't want lip service. Right? If, if he just wanted you to say things back and forth to him, heaven would be filled with recorders. That's all it would be. And we would just be like the seeking, the speak and say parrots when you were little, and, like, and they would just respond everything back to you. He wants real, authentic relationship. That's what that's what God craves. And since we've been justified and blameless before God by our faith, the Amplified says, "Let us grasp the fact that we have peace with God. You are not an enemy of God." By faith, you, you can have peace with him, which means you don't, you don't have to be afraid of hell. Hell didn't drive me into the arms of God. I'm not, I don't believe in God just so that I can escape this bad thing. Because if fear drove you somewhere, you will only stay there until you're not afraid of that thing anymore. Okay? If love drew me to God, a love that never fails, a love that doesn't let me down, a love that is not a lie, that's a real authentic thing. And when I hold that, the gates of hell... No angels, no demons, nothing on this earth, nothing that can come can separate that from me. So I'm not scared of hell. I have this burden to not let people go there. Because I know how amazing it is on this side of it. Because we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it says, through him we also have access by faith into the grace in which we stand. God's grace is absolutely amazing. It is powerful. It'll change your life. Grace and mercy that we can't earn. I don't earn grace. I don't earn mercy. We could never earn God's love. We've learned that over and over through chapters 2 and 3 and 4. It says, let us rejoice in our hope and the confident assurance of the glory of God. Let us rejoice in our hope. What does rejoice mean? Like, when's the last time that you would be like, you know what? I really rejoiced the other day. That was great. Right? It's like, it seems like a weird word choice. But you can say, man, 
when Tennessee beat Virginia, man, I was, I was like, I was rejoicing a little bit, right? When your kid graduated and walked across the stage, there was some jubilance in you, right? When you got that job, you've been wanting, right? When you kicked the habit and you came clean in that it doesn't hold you anymore, there was some jubilance in that. You were calling some people. You were happy about that. When you got the house, you put the offer in for When you got saved, was there jubilance in that? Or was there a holy reverence? Because we don't do that in church. I'll tell you what happened in heaven. They went nuts when you came to God. They flipped out. They were having a party. It was, heaven was shaking when you came to God. Why don't we shake when people come to God? Does it come back to our faith? Does it come back to what do we really believe in this? It's a heavy question. I don't have some perfect little bow-tied answer for that. But I will say, we need to celebrate with those that celebrate. We mourn with those that mourn. We don't push away feelings and say, well, that is not of God. God gave us feelings to be used properly. Our feelings do not dictate who we are or what we can do. But God and feelings are not opposites. It's okay to feel some joy. It's okay to get excited. It's okay when somebody comes to the Lord that you just, like, you hoop and holler and you get excited and you're like, this is fantastic, right? Because this is the whole point. This is the whole point. I want to be more excited when you come to God than I, than I am if you win the lottery. I want to. I want all of us to be able to celebrate this because this is a massive thing in people's lives. And it's not a one and done thing. We don't get saved. Woohoo. Now I'll see you later. We're called to walk together in this and with fear and trembling work out our salvation with God. And it keeps telling us over and over in here to rejoice, to exult in our sufferings, rejoice in our hardships. That sounds crazy. You want to tell me to rejoice in my hardships? Do you understand what my hardship is? Do you know where I am? You know, do you, you don't really understand what I'm going through because I can't rejoice in this. This is only brokenness. This is only pain. This is only like darkness right now. You're going to tell me to rejoice in it. Why? Rejoice in our hardships, knowing that hardships, the distress, the pressure, the problems will produce something when we're walking through it with God. It is not pain for the sake of pain. And understand this. Not everything that happens to you is because God said, let me make that problem happen to that person. Or let me give them this issue. Or let's watch this happen to this person. We live in a broken world. Sometimes, actually not sometimes, 
Our actions have consequences. We have to deal with some of the garbage that we throw on other people. <laughs> Just because you are saved and you have God in your life does not mean that God says, you know what, you're never going to have any problems anymore. You're never going to mess up anymore. Everything's going to be cupcakes and cookies and just unicorn farts everywhere. <laughs> That's not what happens. Not at all. Because if that was what happened, we would not have scriptures telling us that, hey, when the hardships come, rejoice. You wouldn't have God or Jesus, when he was on the earth, say in John 16, 3, he says, these are red letters in scripture. I have told you these things so that in me, you may have perfect peace. Because in the world, you will have tribulation and distress and suffering. He don't lie. He wasn't saying this because of down the road when this gets written down, it'll sound really just stoic. No. When Jesus speaks, he speaks to you. And he's saying, hey, in this world, it's going to be rough. It's going to be hard. You saw how the world treated Jesus. Don't expect less. If we're trying to become so much like Jesus, we need to be prepared for when the world treats us like Jesus. Instead of getting offended by it. Be like, well, no, this should be easy. God should just open all the doors for me. There should be a red carpet rolled out, and everything should just work, right? This is, this is, not, is this not what God called me to? And he called you to walk that. But he didn't say, hey, the path is going to be smooth, and it's going to be paved. He said, it's going to be rough, because we live in a world where we have an enemy that does not want us to do this. Any of you play video games or have ever played video games or know the concept of a video game in any way, shape, or form? Like when you're playing like RPGs or, or different ones where you level up, the game gets a little more complicated. If you were to play the same enemy on the same difficulty, but you were like leveling up like crazy, but the, the enemy was just like, yep. So then at the end, you could just be like, boop, boom. I beat the game, guys. Be like, this is like, you have to go through hardships to get stronger, right? Thomas, when you're working out, does some violent things happen to your muscles? Absolutely, right? Is it, all, is it easy? No, no. Yeah, Thomas works out, everybody. Um, <laughs> shocker. Uh, there is an element that you have to push through some of this pain. Why? Because the goal on the other side of it. Jesus knew this. Jesus understood this. In Hebrews 12, verses 2 through 3, it says, Focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, disregarding the shame, and sat down at the right hand on the throne of God. It says, just consider and meditate on him who endured from sinners such bitter hostility against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. What that means, if I'm telling you, hey, focus on this so you don't grow weary, you don't lose heart, that means that there is a good chance that you will grow weary and you could lose heart. 
I'm not going to tell you something that has no meaning to you. He endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. I have never been through anything remotely close to crucifixion. I have been through some things that I thought were really, really rough and really, really hard. And there were times in those moments where I was like, I don't know if I want to keep doing this. I kind of want to throw the towel in right now. And the good thing is God understands that. God's not up there going, how dare you want to give up? Do you not see what I did for you? How dare you? No, he's a God that's compassionate and understands. And he's like, I know. I know it hurts. I know that pain. I get it. But understand, I will get you through it. And with me, things will be, become building in you. I will take everything that the enemy means for evil. And it will be turned to good. For those called according to his purpose. God does not just let things just happen for no reason. Everything you go through is it's just like clay in his hands. Right? You can be like, well, that was horrible. And he can say, well, let's rework this. And now we're going to put it back in the pot. And we're going to create it into something even more beautiful. We're instructed by Paul to exult in their sufferings, rejoice in hardships. And in America, we don't like that, right? We've already talked about this. Like, it's not, no one is sold on Christianity because it's hard. No one's like, I would love to know Jesus and let things be hard in my life. Your life's going to be hard. But with God, there is something that is produced in that. Okay, he doesn't let anything go to waste. Because we, we see here that sorry, I scrolled too far down. That hardships produces patient endurance. Hardships will produce endurance. The more that I work out a muscle on my body, the more I'll be able to work it out longer and longer and longer if I'm doing it properly. The more that I have faith in God and I see God come through because that's what he does. Because God is faithful. There is no faithfulness without God. He has been the most consistent thing because he's been the thing that has existed before anything else existed. That's consistent. He is around us all the time. He abides in the praises of his people. He walks with us. That's consistent. So having faith in something that, that is that consistent, that is always there, that tells me he will not leave me, logically makes the most sense to put my faith in. I'll put my faith in this and know that in these sufferings, in these hardships, things are being produced. If you're working metal, you beat the snot out of that metal. You stick it in the fire. You stick it in whatever, the furnace. It gets hot. The metal gets uncomfortable, right? When things start heating up, the particles start moving. They start going around. Then you pull it out, and the guy just takes a hammer and just starts wailing on it. 
the piece of, that, that piece of steel, that piece of iron is not like, man, this is a spa day for me. No, that's like, this is rough. Like, I've been stuck in the fire. It's been extremely hot. Now I'm pulled out of the fire. Now I'm getting beat on. But the iron worker knows I, this has to be done to create this piece into what it needs to be. And God looks at us and he says, I know who I called you to be. I know who I made you to be. I know what's in you. The things you're going through in life, let me walk you through those and take them so that I can continuously mold you into who I want you to be. God doesn't look at some of your problems and go, oh, that's a bad one. Let's just forget that one and move on to the next one. No. No. He can work everything out for our good. Because once we get endurance, endurance produces proven character. That stronger faith, that belief of this is who I am now. I believe in God. I walk with God. I do what he says. Because in the midst of all of this, when things are hard and things are tough and you don't like it, if you're walking through it with God and God is in you, then God's character resides in you. So you can look at it differently. You can walk with a peace that makes no sense to people because it's not my peace. It's God's peace in me. I can walk with a strength that makes no sense because it's not my strength. It's God's strength in me. When I allow him to come into me and take control, the aspects of his character I begin to walk in does not make me God. It makes me a beneficiary of who God is in my life. Does that mean it stops hurting? Nope. Does that mean I have a hope on the other side of it? Yes. A hope and a promise that builds endurance. A hope and a promise that says on the other side of glory where it is perfect and God is calling me and has created a place for me. That is my goal. I am here temporarily. This is not the end of my life here. These hardships will make me look more like Jesus or more like me. And that's a choice that we make. When I'm going into something hard or if something hard suddenly has happened to me, who do I look to first? Do I look and go, okay, how are we going to do this? We got to figure this out. We need to come up with a game plan. We got to make this work. Or do I say, okay, God, please help me. Tell me what you want me to do. And I'll tell you, sometimes God says, hey, this is going to hurt. All right, this is, this is going to be rough. You're not doing it alone. Right, like having a personal trainer at the gym. You're like, I can't do another one. He's like, you can Want, give me one more. Right? You got to push through it. I know you don't want to push through this. Endure through this. Because on the other side, something is being produced. And that's what God calls us into. He's like, be in me. And let me be in you so much that when you're walking through these hardships, you turn to me first.
everybody's heard this analogy before. If you have a full cup and you smack it, what's in the cup is going to come out. People will be like, oh, that's what's in your cup, right? That's a Dr. Pepper or, you know, whatever it may be. When life kind of hits us and rocks us, the grace and mercy of God also says, hey, that's a good test of your character. Where do you run to and what spills out of you? You don't like what spills out? It's time to do some work and let God start cleaning it out. Right? Let, let, let God wash the dishes for a little bit. Okay? And sometimes it's easy because we think, well, it's not a big deal. Right? This glass is beautiful and it's clean and God has filled it up. But there's just one little drop of like my own little personal sin. Like it's fine. It's no big deal. I've justified it. Bloop. And it drops it in there. I'll tell you as a police officer, when I was going through training, if, if somebody had drugs and they tried to flush it down the toilet, suddenly the volume of drugs they had is multiplied because the liquid itself becomes drugs. So now you're charged with more because what you've put in that taints the whole thing. 99.9% pure water with 0.0% poison in it is still poison water. Like, it's not good for you. You don't want to drink it. It might not kill you, but it might make you sick, right? You can't say this is pure, clean water. God says, let me clean you up. Let me clean the cup out and let me fill you up. And daily. Why daily? Because you will be tossed and you will be hit and you will be bumped and things will splash out of you daily. And God says, I need to fill you daily. Because if, I, if you're not being filled with me, something else is going to fill that. We, there is no relationship with God where you say, look, I'm, just, I'm not going to move forward, but I'm not going to move backwards. I'm just going to kind of chill. We're going to take a pause for a little bit. God says, that does not work. You're either moving towards me or away from me. There is no just sitting here cool, just going to take a break. There's not. God says, come to me daily. When the hardships come, I want, I want to look at them with you and say, hey, what are we going to work here? Because God works everything. What am I, what am I willing to endure? He endured the cross. Am I willing to endure social awkwardness? Am I willing to endure, you know, being afraid of what people might think of me? Am I willing to endure my relative telling me to shut up about Jesus? Shut up. Stop talking about it. Am I willing to endure that? Because tomorrow I'm going to do it again. And tomorrow I'm going to do it again. And tomorrow I'm going to do it again. He's going to endure it. Are we willing to endure? Not push ourselves and us make it happen. Do not take that. That's what I'm saying. Okay? This does not mean when things get hard, you just need to pull your bootstraps up. And you need to work a lot harder. God doesn't say, hey, let's come strive together and just like, go crazy. He's saying, come to me, take my yoke on you. If you're weary, I'll give you rest. 
because you need that rest to be fueled to go back and do what God is calling you to do. He doesn't say, hey, if you're weary, come to me and you'll just be fine. You'll just hang out with me forever. And I got some bean bags up in heaven. You can just chill in the bean bags and you don't have to do anything anymore. You can just be done. That's cool. You know, God doesn't say that. God, God doesn't just, oop. Well, he's had too much, so I guess we're done with him. No. God says, if you've had too much, let's build your endurance. If you had too much, let's get stronger. If you feel like you've had too much, how about you look at me because I am enough. Because God's calling us to these places to go out into the world. That's what he told us. He said, go ye. Go. Go spread the gospel. Go tell people about me. He didn't say, hey, once you get saved, please all huddle up in these little rooms together and just make each other feel good and pray for each other and then hope other people wander in and find out what's going on here like a secret club. He says, you come here, you get so full of me that when you go out and you spill out, it starts to change the landscape of where you are. He doesn't fill me so that I can put a lid on it and come back to him the next day and be like, look, none of it spilled out. He'll say, why didn't you give any of it out? I filled you so that you can pour it out to the people around you. That doesn't mean you have to go out and get a sign and stand on the street corner and tell people they're going to hell. That does mean that if you care enough about a person, you will let them know that they are loved by a God that paid the highest price for them. If I truly love you, you will hear about God from me. I don't know how little I have to care about somebody to not tell them that God loves them and that they were created for a purpose and they're not an accident. I want to get to the point to where I don't care if it offends you. I want you to know that you are loved and that you are chosen and God has something special for you. And if you think I'm weird because of that, hi, I'll put it on my chest. Like Seth Austin, the weird guy, but you're going to hear it. I let my hairdresser know. I didn't go, hey, guess what? I'm going to go try to proselytize the people. It was a conversation. That's what it is. Don't put so much pressure and be like, okay, well, I have to know every single answer that these people are going to ask me. It's okay to say, you know, I don't know, but I can go talk to people that might have an answer. I don't know, but in Scripture it says this. Conversation. Talk to people about it. Endure the awkwardness. Endure the weirdness. Right? And if we are unwilling to endure the hardships on the other side, what we could have learned is not learned. And I will tell you this. There's that saying of how many times we have to go around this mountain. I've heard that a lot in my life. I'm tired of going around some of these mountains. (laughs) And it's like, well, can you please just learn what you need to learn in it? And then we don't have to keep going around this mountain. Right? Like, if you would just, just please get it. And with a five-year-old, there is a beaten path around some of these mountains. Like, there ain't no grass, nothing. It's just smooth because we've, we've run in laps around the mountain. And as a father, 
I don't hate my son because of that. I'm not like, man, if you just get it through your head. I'm like, look, okay, we're going to do it again. Let's look at it a little differently this time. And then he's like, he comes back, you're like, well, he's like, nope. You're like, let's do this again, right? Because I want what's best for you. I know this is something you need to learn. I don't want you to give up when things get hard. Because there are some great things on the other side of hardship. There is a hope that an endurance and this patient produces in us a hope of God and what is to come. We have this hope. We're called to operate in this faith in our hope so that we can rejoice in our hardships because we know that it will produce something that God wants it to produce when I let God work his way in it. And understand something, people, please. This was never about you. This is about him. God did not say, hey, let me create humans so then I can just do everything they ask me to do and just make them all perfect. He said, I created you to have a relationship with me. You're my children. I want you to come home. I want you to come sit at the table and talk. Right? We got to do that earlier. Come sit at the table. Take off all your junk. Take your heavy coat off. Take your burdens off. Whatever. Put it over here. Just come sit at the table and let God feed you. Let him put into you what you need. I don't sit at the table and be like, well, you know what, God? I don't want that. I want chicken nuggets. God's like, I know what you need, okay? You, you might not need those chicken nuggets right now. You need this. You need true soul nourishment. And when we come to the table and we are willing to receive what God has given us, we begin to get filled more with who God is. And we begin to shrink. And God begins to grow. Because that is the ultimate goal. Less of me and more of you. And when there is so much of you that the reactions are all God reactions and not Seth reactions, I know I'm doing something good. Seth can't save you. My words can't save you. But if I submit myself to the Holy Spirit and I say, okay, God, what do we want to say to these people today? And I'm just like a megaphone. God's word does what God's word wants it to do. And it will penetrate and it will do its job because the Holy Spirit is moving through here. And he's working and he's touching on people's hearts. He's communicating with you. Some of you, it might feel weird. Some of you might not like it. And that's okay. That's between you and the Holy Spirit and God. But I will tell you, the Holy Spirit, God, all these troubles that happen are never to leave you where you were. It is always to bring you to a better end. And that better end is more like Jesus. I can't look at God and say, okay, God, I want, I want more love and peace in my life. So let's just cut those pieces off of you. And I'll take those. I don't need the rest of that. Like, because that's a lot of work and that's a lot of like, oh, wait on me. Just give me the parts that I want. And I'm going to come over here. No. God says, it's all of me or none of me. 
And God is so big that when he is in me, he fills every part of me. But there are times in me where I leave some dirt and some stuff in different crevices. And when God's light comes in, it's like, oh, that is, that corner didn't get cleaned up. Those countertops are a little, are a little dirty, yeah? Um, yeah, and God's like, let's clean up. He doesn't go, how dare you? He says, let's clean the house. Let's leave the lights on. Right? Let's make something amazing here. Because that's what God does. God brings life. God brings his love and his power in things. And it's like lighting a bunch of candles on a cake. Cake gets real bright. Right? I don't want to be the candle in the midst of God that says, nope, ooh, that fire burns. I don't want that. I want to be like, hey, I know that that might hurt and it might burn things, but this was my purpose. This is what I was made for. God says, I have an abundant life for you. My life lived through you. He's not cotton candy. He's not some sweetener like sweet and low in your tea. I can't pick and choose what parts of God I want in my life. Because God gave me everything of his. It says in verse 8, God clearly shows and proves his own love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, he died for us. That's the ultimate. That is like, that is mind-blowing. My fear is that we as Christians have heard that so much that it's just a numb statement. And we're like, yeah, he died on the cross, he rose three days later, yeah. And that we can talk about that and it not affect us. I don't ever want to lose that awe, that reverence of who God is and what he's done for me so that every time I think about what he's done for me, every time I come to the table and I see his broken body and I see the blood that he poured out for me, I don't ever want to see that and just be like, okay, cool. That needs to rock me to my core every time. That needs to bring me back to a remembrance of I am not the one in control here. I did not save me. My plans are not what gets me to heaven. God did all of it. All of it. None of us can boast. None of us are better than anybody else. Understand, you were chosen. And God says, I'm not going to leave you in your hardships. In Psalms it says that he walks through the valley of the shadow of death. He didn't walk to it and say, good luck. We're going to walk through it. And because everything in your life is another opportunity for you to be more like God and less like you, when you're walking through that, there will be some shaving and some cutting and some molding and some compressing. Question today is, are you willing to let God do that? Because if you're not, you might have to go around this mountain again. We need to be willing. We need to be able to get to a place that says, okay, God, not my will, but yours be done. Like Pastor Paul was saying, like, I believe, help my unbelief. 
Help my faith to get stronger. Help me to believe more. And God says, okay, then let's take that step that's a little scary to you. And we'll grow your belief. My faith and my belief do not ever grow unless the borders are pushed. You keep working out with the exact same weight, with the exact same reps, you're going to plateau at a point. And you're not going to keep, you're not going to grow. You're not going to get stronger. Rejoice in the hardships. Don't negate them. I'm not saying that they're no big deal and it should be easy to you. I'm saying anytime something happens, look for God. Look for God every time. Because once you stop looking at, oh my gosh, this is horrible, and you kind of come up and you start looking at him, you see him in relation to that. And you're like, he knows what he's doing. I am now no longer afraid of my situation because I have faith and my hope is in him. So that's what I want all of us to work on this week. Looking at all these things whenever we're going through them and always looking at them through what God wants to speak to us. God's speaking. God's speaking. And understand this, God might not speak to you the exact way you want him to in that moment. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to open your ears. Let me see your, where you're speaking when you're speaking. Because if I narrow it down and I say he can only talk this way to me, I will miss a lot. I don't put limits on God. God is limitless. I limit me when I put limits on God. Let God be God. Let him teach you and mold you in the things you're doing. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to have Natasha come up, and she's going to go through some things with you guys. God, we thank you for today. We thank you that you are God and that you have the life that you created for us in your mind every day that you see us. God, I thank you that even though the trials are hard, that there is something being produced. My faith is growing stronger. I'm getting more endurance in it, God. Glory will be brought to you as long as I walk with you through this. God, help me to trust you more in these. Help me to see that I am not you. God, help me to come to terms every day when I crucify my flesh that this is not about me. I am a vessel. God, help me to stay clean. Help me to allow you to clean out the things in my life so that more of you can fit. Help me to have the courage and the boldness to pour out on the people around me. God, let the only fear I have is the reverent awe fear of who you are.